Ladies and gentlemen, good evening and welcome inside the latest edition of Across the Cavs. On October the 15th, the year is 2020. No more NBA. It's going to be a while. But as Cavs fans, I'm going to be bringing on a couple guests in a moment. We got the drafts coming up. The Cavs are picking fit. They could be using some players to try and get an even higher pick. It's going to be a heck of a night. But congratulations are in order to the L.A. Lakers. They won for the first time in a decade. Deion Waiters, J.R. Smith, LeBron James, and Danny Green and Cavaliers training camp invitee Quinn Cook are all NBA champions again. Perhaps the craziest thing is that four of those guys who played on the Cavs were already champions before this season. I guess the Cavaliers, when they get a guy and he leaves, he wins. Just ask Patrick McCall. And on, on that note, we <laughs> today's guest, Justin Matcham from the Cavaliers Central Pod and Dan Galinsky of King James Gospel. Fellas, I'm glad to have you on to talk Cavs soups on this Thursday evening. Glad you're having us on, Zach. Always, always a pleasure to talk Cavs. Always. Any day of the week. Appreciate yeah. it. Hey, guys, it's my pleasure. You know, no matter whose platform it is, I'm glad we're always able to get together almost weekly. So, you know, I'm, I'm pretty – I'm glad about that. But, you know, we're back. And, and I'll start this one off. We've got three subjects tonight, pretty simple. You know, there's not a ton to talk about. We're going to be talking about our three least favorite Cavaliers of the last decade. That's 2010 to 2020, starting with LeBron's first year in Miami. We're going to play the game, I'll be mad if the Cavs draft blank, although we're not going to be held at gunpoint with a water gun getting shot if we pick the wrong name. That will not happen, I assure you both. This is a safe space. And thirdly, when we talk about the Cavs will win – Blank games if, and you give your scenario for the dream offseason. So I'll start. Three least favorite Cavs of the past decade. Anyone that follows Across the Cavs on Twitter or has, we come up on the one-year anniversary of Across the Cavs. We're celebrating that later on in, in the month. The first guy, Ante Zizic. Not much to like. I'm sorry, Ante. He's a great dude. I know the team loves him. I've talked to John Michael, and he mentions him as being a favorite of, on the team. He just even didn't add much. He really just struggles a lot. He had a couple of okay games last year, but I watch Ante and I'm like, I wish we had any other big in the NBA sometimes. I'm not going to lie. So I, I hope his club in Europe likes him. I hope he does well because then we could say the Cavs are holding Ante's as it's back. And then we can laugh very hard at that statement and just understand it was a bad fit. Okay, Ante's is it number one. Number two. I didn't watch a ton of his games with the Cavs, but I saw enough to know, dang, Adele, good for him for getting to the NBA. It's never an easy road to get there. I know he went undrafted. I was never a big dang Adele guy. I mean, he's a tall, lanky forward. And you know what his skill set is? His skill set is that he's a tall, lanky forward. Uh, that, that, that's literally it. You know, it's cool. He's Australian. And, you know, with the Delhi connection, it's great to get any Australians to the land. But I – I don't understand what was good about Dang Adele. He's just one of many D slash G League guys that made it to the NBA, and it's a dream come true. He's still young. Maybe he'll get back, but what, what, he added nothing, and he started. I mean, he, he took touches away from David Nawaba. That's all. That's all you need to know. That's, that's <laughs> <laughs> and third guy, I'm sorry. I didn't like him. I wanted it to work out. Anthony Bennett, he was picked number one overall, and, you know, Anthony was not horrific like other number one picks have been, but he's probably the worst one in the last decade, no question, and there were some bad ones. Uh, just bad fit, not a great defender. He had health problems. He had sleep problems. He had some weight problems. I mean, if we're putting the word problems next to three of his categories, we're not even talking about his play. 
That's all I need to know. I hope he's in better shape now. We got cut by the Rockets last offseason. But, guys, my three are Zizic, Adele, and Bennett. Justin, let's go to you. Your three least favorite Cavs of the last decade. Real quick, I just want to say a quick shout-out to Ante Zizic, who is playing well over with Maccabee Tel Aviv. He's putting up some decent numbers over there. So, shout-out to him. For Dang Adele, you know, I, I was – I feel like I like Dang Adele maybe more than – your everyday Cavs fan, just because even though it wasn't with the Cavs, I did have the opportunity to watch him in Las Vegas at the Summer League one year. thought that was a pretty cool experience. He's, again, he's not a, a world-beater player by any stretch. Is not really one thing that you can point to that he does well, but always seemed like a good guy and just kind of a an energy and hustle player. So you make a good point that maybe he took a minutes away from David Nwaba, who – should go down as one of the greatest Cavaliers of all time. But we'll get onto my list here. All right. Starting with I'll, – I'll just go from, from number one to number three. Okay. I had the great Ryan Hollins, <laughs> number one on my list. Hallway fight. Um, horrible basketball player and probably equally bad analyst on TV. Um, just somebody who – how tall is he, 6'10", I think? I think he's a seven-footer. Is he a seven-footer? And I think, yeah, I think he's seven. Whatever reason, whatever height he is, it's about the only reason he ever made it to the NBA. Just somebody who was literally not good at anything and was just one of those guys who is the reason that those post-LeBron Cavs were so terrible. And um, like I said, just seeing him as an analyst now doesn't, doesn't raise my opinion of him either. Uh, number two on my list, I had Anthony Bennett as well. Again, somebody who I, 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 I struggle to even say that I dislike him as much as I just feel bad for him. Yeah, I mean, he was put in an impossible situation. And it, the, the off-court issues, obviously, you know, sleeping and weight issues. I just feel like it was, it was destined to fail from the beginning with him. And I'm not sure what he could have done to really make the situation better. Again, it was a bad draft to begin with. There wasn't a clear consensus number one guy, which opened up the field for obviously anybody to go number one. And it just so happened to be him. So again, no, no disrespect towards Anthony Bennett as a person. It just didn't work out. Number three. And, you know, I, I think my opinion of him raised over the years that he was with the Cavs I should say there aren't too many Cavs that I really truly dislike. I agree. You know, and, yep. and, and looking back, you know, maybe I like him now more than I did at the time, but James Jones, especially at the beginning was not a Cavalier that I loved. James Jones? I don't know. I feel like, you know, he was at the end of his career and especially in his first season, he was just somebody who was in the rotation more often than I thought he should be. It seemed like whenever I had a game on and he was in that game, Obviously, he made threes, but it was, he was just one of those guys where I felt like, you know, that, that was the reason he was in the game, and he just – I feel like he never made a three when I was actually – when I was specifically looking at him and watching him play and trying to find a reason to like him. Obviously, he was a part of those championship teams and – or championship teams, championship team. And for that, I'll always, I'll always like him. But overall – just trying to find somebody who at least at one point in time, this one might be more of an irrational dislike, but that was one that I had. And I also wanted to just mention 
a special shout out to somebody who wasn't actually ever on the Cavs for the regular season, Jarrell Martin, who was <laughs> cut from training camp this past off season. I was very upset when they cut Sandarius Thornwell and kept him. And then I thought if they were going to use that last roster spot, which they ended up not doing at the beginning of the season, it was going to come down to either Jarrell Martin or Marquise Bolden, Marquise Bolden, who I'm a huge fan of. And I was going to be very, very, very upset if Jarrell Martin made the team, and I'm happy that he did not. All right, peace out, Jarrell Martin. Just a quick note, Dan, before we go to you. Uh, one of the reasons it failed, Mike Brown did not love playing rookies. He was one of those coaches that wasn't going to overplay a rookie, even as another one pick. Anyway, all right, Dan, sorry to keep you waiting. Your top three. Okay, this isn't really a top. This is more of a body. Your bottom three. Bottom three. Bottom That's three checkups of the last decade. That's fine. Um, I'll start with number three. Um, I actually had Ryan Hollins there. Uh, for a seven-foot big, kind of has, as Justin alluded to, it's hard to say he was an NBA player. He was around for a good stretch, too. And the analyst's perspective, just, just awful. I mean, I don't really know how else to put it. Just provides no X's and O's analysis. Whenever he's in there, seems honestly like antiquated in how he analyzes basketball, honestly, which is a little odd. Um, and for a seven-footer, I, I, I honestly don't remember the guy grabbing rebounds for a seven-footer, which is a little odd. Um, Two points pretty much all, okay, well, pretty much all I remember him doing was uh, – Get conceding offensive rebounds and then taking fouls. That's he did take fouls well. I guess that's about all I can say he did. Um, at least when I was watching. So that's he's number three for me. Um, number two, I have Jay Crowder. I, I guess that's a little bit harsh, maybe, but wasn't here real, real long. Um, was a, one of the 2018 trade deadline guys with the whole um, Isaiah Thomas debacle, all that deal. Um, I, I really liked him when we traded or when he was a piece acquired. I thought he was going to bring a really solid defensive presence. Um, and I just thought with LeBron's three-point generation ability um, as a passer, I figured that Crowder really would help the Cavs and be a really efficient 3 and D guy. It wasn't entirely his fault that he played the four a good amount of the time then uh, with the Cavs kind of going to that route, but I, I just thought with how him and it seemed like Dwayne Wade kind of, it seemed clashed and just there seemed to be locker room issues there um, that I guess we're not going to fully unpack here, but just was very inefficient when he was here and just, I, it just pains me to see how he's done since he wasn't or was dealt away from the Cavs and honestly just pisses me off. Yep. Um, and number one, I have, I guess it's a little bit weird, but I have Tyler Zeller. I, I really oh, wow. okay. am just not, I, I never understood. He was a decent mid-range shooter when he was wide open and pretty much got garbage production from there on a bad Cavs team, was a defensive complete train wreck, uh, was one of the least athletic bigs I can remember on the Cavs. No disrespect to Tyler Zeller, but that was ugh, that was just awful. Um, pretty much the 
would never have played if the Cavs were at all relevant is not, I guess Brad Stevens helped him a little bit, I guess, but Tice is a, was a complete upgrade down the road. And I, I was just not a fan of Zeller. I thought he got entirely too many minutes when he was here in the rotation. So those are my three. So are you in the Ante Zizic fan club then? I, I like Ante Zizic better than Zeller, uh, objectively. Okay. I mean, when he actually got minutes. But that, that athleticism for both was severely lacking, to say the least. Yeah, I uh, can't remember the last Tyler Zeller block. I think my, I remember uh, myself blocking a 6'10 guy more recently than he did. No, dis- no disrespect to Tyler Zeller. No uh, disrespect Mike. to Tyler Mike. Zeller, the elbow jump shot god. May no. I add? Yeah, yeah he, he, he ain't missing that. Uh, I just want to mention, guys, Ryan Holland's career highs. Minutes played, 36 points, 19 rebounds, 12. Yikes. We thought Brooke Lopez couldn't rebound at some juncture in his career. He did other things very well. But Ryan Hollins, yeah, let's, ju- let's just take six of his inches and give them to Delhi, and we'll all be happy. Right? I'm good with that. I'm shocked that he scored 19 points in the game. Does it say who that was with? Uh, yeah, I'll pull that up, and then we'll move on to topic number two. Uh, he scored 19 points with Minnesota. Uh, he took one three in his career, also with Minnesota. The fact that he never logged more than 36 minutes in a game, because some guys get these games where everyone's hurt and, or at the end of the season where they use five guys, never won over 36. All right, enough about Ryan Hollins and Ante Zizic. Point is, Cavs have had some bad centers. We don't like those bad centers. We just took 10 minutes to totally talk trash about those centers. But you know what? We're not in the NBA, so they can't challenge us to, to do it on the court better than them. That's the good part. Anyway. <laughs> All right. So, Dan, uh, sorry, Justin, we're going to start with you. I'll be mad if the Cavs draft blank. Well, I think there's an obvious answer here. So I will include that obvious answer, but I also have a second answer. Sure, thank The you. obvious one is Obi Toppin, who I think it's, it's well documented at this point that his fit in Cleveland is just about as bad as it gets. You talk about an offense first forward who is, you know, an older player and who will bring nothing on the defensive end. Somebody – The case for Obi Toppin is that, you know, again, has uh, has some real scoring upside and real potential on that end. And the case for him is that, you know, maybe he's the long-term replacement for Kevin Love. Kevin Love, I still think, is going to be here for a while. And I don't know if right now and this piece in particular is the one that you really need to go for. I think – addressing the defensive end of the floor, which the Cavaliers have said, Kobe Altman has come out and said is, you know, one of their priorities this off season. You're going in about as far the opposite direction as you can possibly go by drafting Obi Toppin. So that's what I have to say about him. Dan, do you want to get into yours? Well, um, Justin really hit the nail on the head there. Um, Toppin again, would be a defensive train wreck. And for the Cavs, I would think that they're going to, they would want to at least to try to maximize him offensively, put him alongside Kevin Love in some instances. And that with the amount of 
I guess, defensive IQ concerns. Um, doesn't play with verticality for his for a big, really what you'd like to see. Um, slow laterally, just to, would not, again, would not fit the, what you're trying to do to, to improve defensively, which we know the Cavs have, have not been good there. Um, And I I question if he can play legitimate minutes next to Andre Drummond in in that sense. And frankly, I I don't, I don't really buy the stretch big ability at Obi Toppin. I I really don't. Um, Last year he showed it. Sure. But those were really wide open attempts in a Dayton offense that is pretty tailor-made to, for bigs to score. Uh, And with the Cavs, I, I just, I don't want Obi Toppin playing and competing with minutes for Larry Nance Jr., who is one of probably is the best all-around big on the Cavs. That's just I, I and uh, yes, Nance is probably going to play some minutes at three this year. I'd like to see that, but I just don't think he'd mesh well with Toppin, who's going to need the ball a lot, frankly, the way he plays. Um, and I, I just you really hit the nail on the head again defensively. Just would be the complete opposite of what you'd want to help progress in this rebuild. And I think love will probably be around through next season, just given the, I guess, cap sense of it. Um, and I guess for a backup uh, worst case scenario to me, James Wiseman, we, we don't need a, that's a guy with frankly, a lot of concerns as well defensively. I, I don't think he'll be switch heavy or switchable if needed. And you don't, you just, you question for as athletic as he is, he should dominate more inside and than he had in like the EYBL. Um, and I, I don't think the Cavs want to have another guy that played basically like a cup of coffee in college. We we don't need that. So not even a cup, more like a cup of tea, you know, it's two sips and he's already done there, but, well, but I, I guess that could be like a, a, a quick li- like little uh, espresso shot deal. That could be him maybe. Half, half, half a shot of espresso for sure. Yeah, yeah you're probably, you're probably yeah. right. There might be a stretch. But yeah, I mean, it worked out with Kyrie. It's don't. I think it will work out with Garland, and we'll, we'll get to that in our final topic. But uh, I think you guys both nailed it. Uh, talking about Obi Toppin kind of reminds me of a Julius Randle type. Then, uh, based on the way you, you talk about his game and what he brings and his lack of versatility, and thinking he might be a little better than he is at stretches. Power forwards that can score anywhere inside the arc but can't do it outside are very rare in this NBA. Maybe 15 years ago, Obi Toppin would be kind of like a David Lee type is what I gather. But, yeah, the Cavs are going to turn into the Magic when the Magic had young Aaron Gordon and opted to trade Victor Oladipo for Serge Ibaka, which makes no sense to this day. It ended up getting them Evan Fournier in the long run, I believe. So, cool. But it's when they had that, when they paid Biombo $72 million to back up Vucevic, when the Wizards paid Mahimi $72 million to back up a decent Gortat, when Mozgov got $64 million, ended up as a backup for three years after that Lakers season. I don't want to see extra bigs. I, I, I'll be upset personally if it's Wiseman and it has nothing to do with his ability as a basketball player. I have a lot of trust and belief in Andre Drummond to be the center that can play 30 to 35 minutes easy. It'll probably be closer to 30 because I could see Larry playing the five at times. There's gonna be, there might be some games when there's injuries where Larry goes back up five and plays well, so they might keep him in longer with love. I just don't want Wiseman. Yeah, he played three games, you know, and I just you – know, you didn't see too much. 
if we get Cavs get a big, I want a defensive beast that can also score. And I don't think that's him. I don't think that's Obi Toppin, obviously. I don't want a big, you know, I, I, I don't know what I want the Cavs to get. I think I want someone that can dominate at the three position because then there's no extra worry for KP or Darius or Colin. Let them all do their thing. Let them not look over their shoulder at this next rookie. Because for Colin and Darius, they've been that lottery pick that may have been looking like when Colin first started. He was looking over his shoulder at uh, George Hill before George got hurt and he became the starter for Garland. I mean, he was looking over his shoulder at Coach Beeline and wasn't giving him enough minutes, honestly. So it's always something. So if the Cavs took a guard, I'd be a little worried. I want them to take – I don't know who this is exactly, and we're going to talk about it next. I want someone, guys, that can play the three pr- predominantly and also, if need be, play the one or the two in crunch time scenarios next to a Colin if they have to. So I guess we'll see, right? Yeah, one guy I wanted to get into as far as my other guy that I really don't want to see the Cavs draft, and it's not because I don't like him as a player, because I, I really do think that he'll be a fine player. I think he has, you know, kind of lower-end all-star potential, really. But Killian Hayes is not somebody I like on the Cavaliers. Um, again, he, he's another point guard, has good size at that position, you know, has you know some scoring potential on ball, good shooter, you know, he's a 91% shooter from the foul line has the potential to be a good defender. I think, you know, if you're going to look for a defensive guard, Tyrese Halliburton is the way you go at the top of this draft. But just I would be – if the Cavaliers draft a ball-dominant guard three years in a row, it's just like, what are we doing here? Yep. You know, I just I, – I think – obviously, you know, the Cavs' motto has been draft the best player available – I don't think that they're going to go in this direction. I think it's kind of been stated that they're probably not going to. But drafting, you know, in quotes, the point guard of the future three years in a row almost seems like a fireable offense if I'm the owner. So Killian Hayes, again, nothing against him as a player because I think in the right situation he's going to be fine, but not somebody I want on my team. Not not on this particular Cavalier team. So it would – I want to put a pun in here. It'll kill you if that happens, huh? It will kill me. <laughs> five out of ten. I'm going to grade myself on that. I mean, that, that's being generous. But Give yourself a five and a half, Zach. Five and a half. Thank you, Justin. Justin Match, I'm always, always putting the cherry on top. I think that was like a – I'm going to say it was like a 6.3. I think you're underselling a little bit. 6.3. You know, I'll tell you, I, I'm definitely somebody that, as you guys know, would definitely go with a random point because it's not good enough to be a half. So, Dan, thank you. You guys, you guys gave me some encouragement to maybe try one before we're done. But I, I, I probably shouldn't, though. I don't think I could pull another 6.3. That was a solid football pizza pun. I'll, I'll give it to you. All right. Thank you. All right. All right. So, now we go to our final segment. And we're going to go Dan and Justin and then myself. We're going to play another game again. Safe space. You know, as you see, uh, Worldwide Wob, Rob Perez, after every game, you know, fans, Say what you want is the safe space across the Cavs on October 15th, 2020 is a safe space. No, no one's judging you. No Martian pointing the death beam for you to make a quick answer. Shout out Max Kellerman for picking Andre Iguodala and then somehow having a day to gloat about it. Weird, Lord. Weird, weird how sports and Marvin the Martian tend to work because he's the one with the death beam, obviously. No, he didn't. He repped that big space jam game. But, you know, say what you will. No judging here. Maybe judging. But we won't, it won't be out loud. All right. And the Cavs will win blank games 
if. So this is best case scenario for next season and what has to happen for them to get there. What's your ideal off season and draft? Uh, for me, it's the Cavs would win. I think 29 games is a fairly ideal scenario. Um, I think they'd be able to draft a wing, say like an, an Isaac Okoro, who's a very switchable defender um, can really help in the development of the, I, I guess, sex land backcourt. Um, is a, we didn't see it a ton at Auburn, but um, high-level playmaker just has very good feel for the game. A another guy in that realm is uh, Denny Avdia um, of Maccabee, Tel Aviv. Um, kind of a similar boy in that realm. Um, just both of those guys, really high basketball IQs. And with uh, Avdia, I think um, – over time, we'll see more pull-up shooting potential for him. I think in this uh, situation, I think he'll benefit as well in some lineups with uh, Dylan Windler and or Kevin Porter Jr. Um, has some real um, potential on and off ball. And, and I think, um, but Okoro is another guy that is just a really good energy player, could fit with a variety of pieces. Um, and a high, really, really impressive finisher plays with power. So um, that that's the kind of mold of player I'd be looking at. Or an Anyaka Kongwu, if they were going to go with a big, I think he could be your five in the future. Um, kind of have Dre, I guess, pass the torch to him by and large um, before by the end of uh, this next season, potentially. Um, and then for the Cavs, just kind of lineup wise, uh, I'd like to see, um, I think Kevin Porter Jr., if the Cavs let him, um, if it were up to me, I'd, I'd like to see him play at the one, at least for a good amount of stretches. I, I really like his playmaking ability. He's not just a scorer. Uh, and I think over this extended offseason, what has been, I think that'll have helped him as a playmaker, it seems to have based on. J.B. Vickerstaff's comments um, a, after the Cavs in market bubble workout stuff. So um, I just think steady progression of young pieces. Maybe you look to move Andre Drummond, your the trade deadline, that sort of thing, um, and and or Dante Dante Exum. Maybe J.B. will get or uh, you could get like a future asset for him in, in a package. So I just think it's we'll see Darius Garland ideally. Um, take make real progression as a scorer, be more aggressive, and we'll see Colin Sexton really, really uh, blossom into that uh, leading role. And I think Kevin Love, from probably behind the scenes standpoint, will probably have a bigger, bigger role as kind of that primary leader. All right. So Dan Galinsky, best case scenario, 29 wins, draft a wing and score or a via, and figure things out at the center position. All right. Justin Matcham, the Cavs will win blank games if. the I, I kind of had a range of games here, and it's a small range. I had – Dan had 29. I had this kind of just as far as a realistic thing, kind of in that 26 to 28 game range. I think, you know, if you're looking at best-case scenario, maybe 28, 29, 30. But, yeah, just looking at the draft, um, I think Dan pretty much covered as far as, you know – who the Cavs might be looking at in the draft. Of the three, I, I really do like Avdia, and I also like Kongwu. 
Okoro is the guy that I have kind of zeroed in on the most. Just somebody who can really be an amazing point of point of attack defender for the Cavs and somebody who comes from a winning culture and really just does, obviously the shot is a problem for him. It's not something that he's going to be able to do right away and effective level outside of the shot. He really has a complete offensive game as far as knowing where to be moving without the ball, making the right reads, you know, he's a good passer. He really has a complete offensive game outside of the shot, which is obviously an important factor of you know, the offensive end. But Again, you get you hope that that can come along. Um, we've seen you know the Cavs player development staff improve the shots of other guys, so you hope that the same can be done there. So I think drafting Okoro is the the ideal outcome for me in the draft. Looking ahead to free agency, um, well, I guess before we get to that, I, I'll say I don't think Kevin Love's going to get moved this offseason. I don't think there's going to be a deal worth doing out there. I kind of feel the same way about Drummond. I think that that's a higher possibility, but I also just don't expect to see it. I don't think that they're going to get a deal from another team that is good enough at, you know, this offseason to consider moving him. So assuming that both of those guys are still here, I think signing Tristan Thompson to a one-year deal still makes a lot of sense. Um, I think there's some mutual interest there. Signing him maybe on a one-plus-one with – a team or not a team a player option if that's what he wants that just kind of you know and, and under the assumption that you do draft a wing I think that just makes it to where you have that drum and Tristan kind of center rotation with Larry Nance providing spot minutes there Kevin Love providing spot minutes there uh if you don't go with an Okoro and say you draft Okongwu and you don't want to bring back Tristan Thompson Derek Jones Jr. is the guy that I think the Cavs should target in free agency Obviously, we've seen, you know, more rumors as of late that that is a guy the Cavaliers will be interested in this offseason. He's a mid-level target. He's an unrestricted free agent in Miami. Um, he'll have, you know, some competition on the market, so it, it wouldn't be a certainty that the Cavs could get him, but I would think that that would be the number one guy on their list in free agency. I think Josh Jackson is another guy who could be a backup plan, wouldn't cost as much, another unrestricted free agent who should be on the Cavs, you know, list of targets. So, again, just assuming that all of that happens, say that we just go with Okoro and you bring back Thompson, that really gives you a pretty solid rotation. You know, nothing spectacular, but you hope that Garland improves. You hope that Sexton, you know, is this, this leap and this new body transformation is real. You know, we've, we've seen the body transformation, and that is real. Yep. You hope that either D Dylan Windler or Isaac Okoro can kind of take over that starting spot at some point in the season. I think Okoro would probably be the guy just because of the defensive versatility. And then you can relegate Jetty Osmond to a smaller role, which I think, uh, you know, a 15-minute role off the bench is more suited to him just in, in a shooting role. And hopefully he can continue to improve on the defensive end of the ball, just making the right reads there. So assuming that all of that happens, I, I guess it, it'll vary on, you know, who gets traded, whether Drummond or Love do. But a, a very, you know, optimistic outcome, I think, would be something like 35 games if this team really clicks. But, again, I'm going to put the mark at, we'll say, 28 games is a realistic outcome. All right, so 29 for Dan, 28 for Justin. Love the Isaac Okoro hype. And our guy Braden Ballin on Twitter also loves the Isaac Okoro hype. We catch a new Isaac Okoro draft him tweet every day. But, all right, 
<laughs> oh, yeah, you guys know. It, uh, Caps Twitter loves that, man. It deservedly so. Dude brings some great content every day. But, okay, wrapping it up, I believe in, a, in an ideal world, the Cavs can win 35 games. That's right. P.J. Dozier, Kevin Durant, Cleveland Cavaliers win total. Boom. Well, not anymore, Kevin. Sorry, Kevin Durant, we're seven now. Off the yeah. uh, Kenneth Faree, there we go. Uh, the Cavs will win 35 games if don't draft a big. Resign Tristan. You have Tristan and Drummond playing probably about 40 to 45 minutes a game at center. You might close out with both of them out if you want to size down with Larry at the five. But gives them great rebounding the entire game. They out-rebounded a lot of opponents last year. Maybe one of the first teams to go 19 and 46 and win, win the rebounding battle most nights when they weren't going up against the Cats and the Jokic's and the Embiid's. But they're going to do well on the glass. Draft a scoring wing. I'd love to see a Coro. I'm cool with the VIA. I'm also cool with Devin Vassell from what I'm seeing. I know he's more of a two guard, but I bet he can play the three. Uh, I'm not sold on any single player. I don't know how I'm going to react on draft night. I'm not going to be that fan that like Chris stops and starts crying because they don't know who he is and then pretends to make up with him later to get a picture. But uh, Nick's culture is interesting. That, that, that's my takeaway on that. But, you know, draft who they need. I really think it's a wing. Don't draft a big. Andre Drummond, by the way, is only 26. So I know they might want a young big, but, I mean, he's just about to hit his prime. I know he has his ups and downs. He tries to do too much sometimes. But Andre Drummond's a multi-time all-star. He's an all-NBA-level big. And I know he has some bad games. But if his bad games are 13 and 13, he gets burned a couple of times. I mean, if they don't have to worry about switching him and he can drop back into the paint, I'm fine with it. Uh, and then figure out the starting backcourt. Is KPJ going to become a starter at the two guard? Is Colin going to become a point guard? Is Darius going to kind of play the Clarkson role? You know, someone has to be that six-man scorer off the bench, and I don't think Porter suited, suited well for that. And all this Colin coming on, I know Dan was tweeting about this the other day. Colin ain't suited to come off the bench. He is a fantastic scorer. He needs to be in the starting lineup. I mean, Colin Sexton – is the only rookie besides Tim Duncan since 1997 to score 23 plus in seven straight games. Colin Sexton was averaging 30 a game in March and even late February. I mean, Colin Sexton almost didn't get into the Rising Stars game because the media doesn't understand how good he is outside of Cleveland. You know, given who made it, that might be the biggest travesty of the Cavs season. And guys, we're going to see what happens. But ra wrapping it up, all right, real quick, uh, one sentence answer, Justin. Was Ty Lue a good hire for the L.A. Clippers? I can only give one answer or no, one, just, one, one word. Or? A brief one. We got about, we got about 120 uh, seconds. I see you there. Um, I think it's a fantastic hire. I think Ty Lue is going to be great for them. I saw you got a five-year contract. I, I think with a team that's as talented as the Clippers are, it's less about, you know, what he can do as far as X's and O's, which I think he's a fine X's and O's coach. I think – he gets a bad reputation just for coaching LeBron because LeBron's going to do what he wants to do on the floor sometimes. But I, I think he doesn't deserve the reputation he has in that respect. And I think he's very good at managing his players, managing yep. personalities, managing rotations. And I think that's exactly what the Clippers need. Dan? Um, him with the tactics and Chauncey with the, I guess, locker room psyche uh, we'll be a dynamic duo, so I'm a fan of it. Big fan of it. I agree. Good for Ty to get back into it. That'll do it on this edition of Across the Cavs. 
For Dan Galinsky and Justin Matcham, I am Zach Weiss, and we will see you next time.